Talking Point on VOC 91.3 FM Stereo. Thirty-eight minutes after seven o'clock. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, and welcome back to Talking Point this evening. Talking Point uh, continues uh, from now until nine o'clock, and uh, tonight we're going to start our election focus in the build-up to the twenty sixteen local government elections. And so, for the next few weeks, in this show every Tuesday, we will be engaging with the Independent Electoral Commission, the IEC, as well as uh, local government experts on why the local government elections is crucial. And basically, it's about understanding how local government works, uh, looking at why your ward councillor is important, service delivery issues, and uh, in a nutshell, giving you the mechanisms to hold your ward councillor and local government officials accountable. So uh, in tonight's show, we started with an analysis on the functions of local government. And next week, we hope to bring in the IEC to chat about this year's elections and what their role is in terms of managing the elections. Uh, when we have the IEC in studio, uh, we want to hear, we'll, uh, we'll ask about the ward candidates and the party list and the registration of political parties and all of those things uh, we hope to iron out so soon when we get the IEC in studio. So uh, also we've got an uh, intense focus on the elections after the month of Ramadan. Obviously we're going to take a break in Ramadan for your religious programming in the evening but uh, after Eid we will have a special uh, show on a Monday and Tuesday uh, which um, will be uh, presented by a well-known journalist in Cape Town and we're going to be looking at the local government elections in more focus after Ramadan inshallah. For now we take a break and when we come back we chat to Imran Bakas from Asri about the local government elections. Talking Point on VOC 91.3 FM Stereo. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back uh, to Talking Point this evening. As we know, we are approaching the local government elections on Wednesday the 3rd of August and uh, that's about three months from today. And uh, this evening we're starting a series focused on uh, the local government elections and we're going to be chatting about the functions and the effectiveness of local government um, just to equip you, the listener, with uh, a bit more education or information on how local government systems work. Uh, joining us this evening, we've got uh, Imran Bakas from the AWOL Socioeconomic Research Institute, also known as ASRI. He, is, uh, he conducts research. Well, Ashley rather conducts research and advocates uh, for laws and policies and programs at a national, provincial and local level. Imran is the Senior Research Associate at Ashri as well as a UKZN Political Science Research Fellow. Imran, assalamu alaikum and uh, shukran so much for joining us. Uh, Walaikum salam, thanks for having me. Now, we about three months away from the elections, and obviously we're seeing a lot more media coverage uh, heating up on, on, the, on local government issues. Um, and many South Africans have a lack of understanding on the role of local government. So I think we'll start off first with how local government works. What is the importance of local government? Well, Tasneem, I think uh, local government is extremely important. Like you know, we have different spheres of government, uh, national, provincial, and local. Uh, I think local government is the kind of central pivot in our nation-building exercise. 
Uh, it's the sphere of government that's closest to people. I think it resonates most. Uh, and therefore, when something happens, people often resort uh, to looking to their local councillor or looking to their local government office. So I think because it's a sphere of government that's closest to people, because it's so important in the exercise of building a society, uh, I think this sphere of government resonates most with people. Okay, so you're saying it is perhaps the starting point for how lo- for how citizens or ordinary people actually engage with government. Uh, how, how do different spheres of government work in relation to local government? No, absolutely. I, I think different spheres of government have different competencies. Uh, but the reason, like you were suggesting earlier, is that this sphere of government is really close to people. So people find it perhaps theoretically easiest to engage with. But I think the problem in South Africa is that we have all of the mechanisms for people to engage with local government uh, constitutionally in policy terms and in legislative terms. But public participation in local governments has not been happening in any meaningful way. Uh, and I think while you know the South African government is committed to public participation, you need to bear in mind we come from a history where masses of people were not allowed to participate in, in, in governments at all. Uh, and in the post-apartheid order, uh, the South African state has done exceptionally well. So if you look at our constitution, if you look at uh, uh, different policy frameworks, if you look at legislative frameworks, all of them are exceptional in terms of creating the spaces for people to participate. Mm-hmm. But creating the spaces certainly hasn't meant that people have participated meaningfully at all. I think one of the key ingredients missing in terms of facilitating the effective participation of people is that the political will has been missing. So local councillors know and local bureaucrats know that people must participate, for example, uh, in an IDP, Integrated Development Planning Process. But they don't do enough to make that process work meaningfully. Uh, I think we've reached a point in local governance where it operates very technocratically. So a local bureaucrat is very happy to tick a box to say that someone has participated in an IDP process without ensuring that that participation has at all been meaningful. Uh, And I think the other ingredients missing is that, uh, especially at local government level, is that there aren't appropriate mechanisms for people to participate. So we are told that people can engage their ward councillors or people can send petitions and engage in ward committees, uh, but this certainly hasn't been working. At the same time, I think uh, we can't only, uh, you know, lay blame at the door of government. I think also civil society organizations have, have not been mobilizing effectively to participate in local government. Mm-hmm. I think they would argue that, listen, why should we, uh, you know, engage a ward councillor or send a petition because nothing happens. Yeah. What works better is if we protest. And I think in recent years you've seen that uh, South Africa, you know, is perhaps the most protest-rich country in the world. Mm-hmm. How effective are our? Uh, how effective is local governance within our municipalities? Well, it it, it hasn't been uh, too effective. I, I think people 
are increasingly becoming distrustful uh, of local governance. I think uh, we know that it's it's the kind of sphere of government where the public purse is perhaps looted the most. Uh, and in a context where there's an increase in poverty, an increase in inequality, and at the same time an increase in corruption, uh, we know that citizens become increasingly distrustful of the state, uh, and this results in what we call a democracy deficit, where people choose not to participate and not engage uh, with, with, with local government. Uh, and I think the very fact that we also have such a lack of capacity at local government level, where the best of our bureaucrats and politicians are perhaps at other levels of state, Mm-hmm. Uh, this results in an absolutely often a dysfunctional system at local government level. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important for both politicians and bureaucrats and wider society to realize that we perhaps need the most effective and most intelligent and most competent politicians and bureaucrats at local government level, because this is where it matters most for most people. Mm-hmm. Is our current ward system, do you think our current ward committee system is working at the moment? No, it certainly is not working. Uh, I think, you know, by and large, it's been linked to the politics of political parties. Yeah. Uh, so if you're in an area, particularly in marginal communities, that's ANC dominated, uh, and if you are known to be a supporter of another party, uh, you know, you, you more than likely will be marginalized. Mm-hmm. We also know that constituency offices uh, are often used for party political work uh, and doesn't really drive constituency work. Mm-hmm. And I think all of these are real serious problems when it comes to uh, lo- local governance. Mm-hmm. If I might just kind of tilt uh, the debate here slightly, I think the other problem is that when it comes to councillors, I think by and large, most councillors, particularly in marginal communities, have not been effective. Uh, And I think one of the problems is that councillors have often been used to communicate government views downwards Mm. rather than to listen to communities and, you know, communicate these community views upwards. Mm. And I said earlier that uh, South Africa is arguably the most protest-rich in the world and one academic uh, calculated that, you know, in years gone by, we've had over 6,000 protests in any particular year. Mm. So I think the assumption that councillors can simply, you know, have a top-down approach to the role and to governments uh, has been a huge, huge problem. We've become really accustomed to suggesting that, uh, you know, service delivery is a problem, and we often speak about service delivery protests But what we often don't talk about is how these protests, you know, more often than not, are in response to a crisis of local democracy Mm -hmm. rather than a crisis of service delivery. You know, what I'm simply suggesting is that people are not given sufficient spaces to air their views and their concerns so that even when there are problems with service delivery, they often due to a lack of of democratic public uh, participation in decision making. Yeah. If I can just cite an example, for instance, if if people are not consulted uh, about whether it is in their interest uh, to be moved from a shack to a kind of peri-urban RDP house, 
protest is likely to occur even though service delivery might be happening. You know, for time and again, people organizing protests explain that they didn't take to the streets because of misguided service delivery. They've often taken to the streets because there was no way for them to get to speak to government, uh, let alone to get government to listen to them. I think, you know, much of the problem is that for as long as government officials continue to assume uh, that a mandate at uh, local government polls uh, gives them a mandate to act in a unilateral, top-down manner for five years, uh, I think protest will continue. Mm. So I think we certainly need to be paying more attention to the crisis of local democracy that we have. And I don't think there's been sufficient research and writing and engagement in the national conversation mm. about this crisis of local democracy. We talk too often about the crisis of service delivery, I think. Mm. How about uh, actual politicking on the ground and uh, factionalism within parties in certain wards? How is that actually uh, impacting on service delivery protests? Or contributing, no, I rather? think factionalism plays a huge, huge role. Uh, and I think the dynamic in each province uh, differs substantially. If I can uh, you know, talk for a moment about KZN, we know that we have a deeply fractured African National Congress here, uh, and we have two centers of power, not only at the province, but also at local government and city level. Uh, and I think there are a range of factions in the ruling party. And quite frankly, brutally and honestly, uh, much of these factions are linked to the politics of patronage. Uh, and I think where people support particular factions, besides sometimes a political and perhaps a slight ideological uh, you know, difference, often it's very crudely about access to state resources. And I think the fact that factions are formed on the basis of patronage really impacts on service delivery. And we've seen that to a great, great extent in KZN. Uh, and I think, you know, the fact that we have two centers of power here uh, is going to mean that in a range of marginal municipalities, people are going to suffer because factional debates are going to take uh, the front seat. Imran, hold that thought quickly. We're going to take an ad break. And when we come back, we're going to chat about the elections. Talking Point on VOC 91.3 FM Stereo. Assalamu alaikum and uh, welcome back to Talking Point this evening. Our election focus starting tonight uh, for the next four weeks on a Tuesday. We'll be chatting local government elections 2016 and we'll take a break in the month of Ramadan. And then from the month of July, we'll be bringing in uh, your ward candidates and your political parties uh, to just help you a little bit in terms of uh, who you will be voting for. You'll get the opportunity to engage with these uh, political leaders in your community. Nevertheless, so we continue the conversation. We've got Imran Bakas from Asri Online and we're chatting about the uh, elections. Now, Imran, now let's turn to the elections itself. What is the actual importance of local government elections? You know, some people would say, well, my ward councillor doesn't do anything for me. I've uh, aired or vented my views on a certain issue and, and nothing happens. Why would you, how would you explain the importance of the elections? 
Well, Tasneem, you know, you can't blame people, I think, for being highly disillusioned. I think uh, the state of our national politics is in chaos. Uh, I think the aura of liberation is wearing out. Uh, I think, you know, young people make up uh, the most significant part of our electorate, and they are particularly disillusioned uh, with the unemployment bloodbath that we have, with masses of them desperately poor uh, and unemployed. Uh, and I think people haven't seen a uh, kind of engagement with electoral politics making any difference in their life. So no doubt elections can be hugely important. And I think the kind of normative narrative for us is to always talk about how important local government elections are and how we should vote. But the reality is that, you know, elections are not always uh, uh, cracked up to, to be what they're meant to be. You know, at the same time, no one has lived under a dictatorship or kind of entrenched corrupt state uh, that would dismiss the right to vote in a free and fair election. But elections have not made uh, substantial differences to the lives of ordinary people. Mm -hmm. You know, there's often a degree, I think, to which elections uh, kind of function as a public ritual, Mm. you know, to make or to legitimate the power of elites sometimes. Yeah. more than they offer any real prospect for ordinary people to benefit or to engage with governance. And I know every every time we go to an election, whether local or, or national, uh, we're subjected to all kinds of mystification, you know. We're told that if you don't vote, you can't complain, uh, which, which I would argue is, is not true, you know. Uh, I think in many communities and in many provinces across South Africa, some of the most organized and effective complainers in our society have been grassroots organizations that have more than once boycotted elections. You know, uh, So I think it's really important to bear in mind that uh, we can't always just talk uniformly about the importance of elections. And democracy should never really be reduced just to voting and elections. You know, they are everyday forms of contestation uh, and where organizations are, are are contesting at local government, uh, sorry, at local level, uh, highlighting the plight of communities, shakti movements that are engaging. Mm. And I think in South Africa, fortunately or unfortunately, protest action has perhaps yielded greater benefit for many communities than electoral participation or just usual local government participation. So I think local government elections are really important. Uh, they're the central pivot in our society building exercise. But in, in view of the state of our national politics and the fact that local government has not functioned in any sort of concrete, meaningful way in recent years, uh, you know, it, it would come as no surprise that many people are turned off elections and terms of particularly local government elections. Mm, just in terms of voter turnout or trends, uh, what was it like uh, in the last election and, and what do you expect this time around? I think local government elections, not only here, but in many parts of the world, sees uh, the lowest turnout. Uh, I think people often become disillusioned. Uh, in, in, in South African society, like in many developing societies, uh, you know, more than half our population is under 30. And we know from our last national election that in the category uh, 18 to 22, 
we've had only a kind of 33% of people or, or less, sorry, about 30% of people who turned up to vote uh, in local government elections. So I think the turnout is really poor. It's perhaps will, will be poorer than, than what it was for the national election because that is the kind of norm. Mm. So I think people tend to stay away from uh, local government elections. Uh, I would think largely because they're disillusioned and largely because they don't see any kind of meaningful change result uh, from the electoral participation. Mm. So my take would be that uh, turnout is likely to be poor. Mm. Now, uh, obviously adding to that, there's a sense of uh, voter apathy amongst our youth. But recently we've also seen an upsurge in political events or political movements led by young people, especially at a tertiary institution level. Do you think this will translate into more young people going to the polls? It's hard to tell because I think it's a different kind of politics. Mm. Uh, I think the reality is that many of the student protests uh, in South Africa have really disabused us uh, of an idea that we've been articulating in the past that young people and people born after 94 are politically apathetic. I think they've kind of violently disabused us of that idea uh, and have been at the forefront of mobilizing uh, you know, on campuses and championing anti-colonial struggles and anti-racist struggles, etc. But the other reality is that the leaders in many of these protests have been middle class. Uh, and I would, you know, want to kind of problematize this and ask, uh, you know, the motive for their participation. Is it to entrench uh, their kind of middle class dominance in the future and kind of create opportunities for them after they graduate mm. and ensure that, you know, other middle class people have this access? Or is it the participation for a truly egalitarian society? Mm. And I think we yet to see the kind of outcome of these protests. So I don't think participating in fees must fall or other forms of protests on campuses will necessarily translate into greater electoral participation from local government elections. Mm. I must consider, I might be wrong, but what I'm suggesting is that that kind of political mobilization doesn't uh, automatically equate into greater local government participation. It would be great if it did. Uh, but I think it's a different kind of politics. Mm. What uh, mechanisms does the state have to carry out the elections? Uh, sorry, I may not be understanding you there. You're, you're talking about the mechanisms for people to participate yeah, in local government. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I think there are a range of mechanisms for people to participate at local government level. So on the one hand, uh, you know, the state would obviously like people to come out and vote, and that's the kind of electoral participation. But what happens beyond beyond elections is that people tend to forget that there are a range of prote- uh, sorry, processes that they can participate in. And I think the very one important process is the ward committee process. Mm. And again, I think we can talk uh, at great length about the importance of participating at the ward committee level. But we know that many people have been turned off this, uh, again, largely because it hasn't been working in any kind of meaningful way. Uh, then there's the IDP process, the Integrated Development Planning process. Uh, we know that the Systems Act and the Structures Act at local government level 
uh, allows for people and demands that people participate in these processes. Has it been happening meaningfully? Uh, Certainly not. Uh, I think local government bureaucrats know that people have to participate. You'd probably have an advert in the paper or in the local paper asking people to participate. Uh, And then it's ticked off as an event that has been done. But I don't think it happens in any kind of effective way. So I think one of the main problems in, in ensuring that these mechanisms work is the lack of political will. Mm. Uh, and they often result in people just not participating. Mm. So I think there are a whole range of things, ward committees, IDP processes, send, sending petitions, engaging with your local councillor on an ongoing basis, etc. But the sad reality is that in many communities, people don't even know, uh, you know who their ward councillor would be. Uh, and I think often this participation... Uh, so if you take the IDP process and you often take an IDP document and you find that it's written in really difficult, convoluted English, and then you send this to communities and say people should participate, I think for starters it's even written in English. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that in itself marginalizes masses of people. So I think some of the more pedestrian concerns around uh, language, venue, uh, you know, the actual use of the language, Mm. All of these need to be taken into account to ensure that these mechanisms work. Mm. Uh, I think, you know, like I said at the start, uh, legislatively, constitutionally, and in policy terms, South Africa has performed excellently. But in terms of translating those provisions for actual meaningful participation, we've performed dismally. Mm. So you're saying the the systems are there, or perhaps the mechanisms are there, but it doesn't necessarily enhance participatory democracy, right? No, absolutely. I I, I think you know the main problem is that many bureaucrats and politicians don't have an appetite for real meaningful participation. There isn't the political will. I've had people at local government level, bureaucrats and politicians say, well, they voted us into power. We know what they want. Participation is not really necessary. And this kind of technocratic uh, you know, perspective, I think, is uh, deeply detrimental to a developmental process. Mm. Often politicians would even argue that, listen, we can't have people participate because it impedes uh, development, it slows down development. Mm. Uh, and that in itself shows how, you know, the complete lack of commitment to hearing people's voices. And like I said uh, earlier, that often this is what drives protests. Mm. It's not the crisis of service delivery. It's more the crisis of local democracy, where people don't get the chance to have their views uh, aired. People are not allowed are not given spaces to talk about how they feel. You know, and I think for as long as government thinks that a mandate gives them uh, you know, the right to act in a top-down manner, uh, these protests are likely to continue. Mm. And that's very damaging for our society and you know, often really embarrassing that uh, you know, when we see burning tires and tear gas and rubber bullets and pitched battles between the poor and the police on our streets, these are often very stark reminders of the 80s, you know, uh, and we find that police are increasingly taking a hard line on uh, these protests. Mm. So it's really important, I think, that the state needs to take public participation seriously. Mm. And it needs to recognize that ordinary people have the right 
to participate in decision-making that affects their lives, you know. And we can't allow just commentators and experts in the media and NGOs and the academy uh, to dominate. We need ordinary people to be heard and listened to carefully. Uh, and rather than simply make assumptions about what they're thinking or what they're saying or what they need, uh, you know, because sometimes experts would like crisis, the crisis to be about service delivery. <coughs> mm. Because then the response often by the state is to bring in more expertise. Yeah. You know, but a crisis of local democracy really means less of a reliance on experts and really, you know, means taking the intelligence and experience of ordinary people more seriously. Mm. Uh, and I think that's been largely missing in our local politics. Yeah, ultimately, uh, success in municipalities can't uh, be ad- administered without the uh, active participation of the people. I think uh, that's the bottom line at the end of the day. No, absolutely, absolutely. The participation of people is critical to an effective local system. I think it's uh, important for people to think carefully about uh, local government elections. I think, like I said at the start, it's really important. It's a central pivot in our nation-building exercise. But I think also to remember that public participation, uh, political public participation, extends beyond electoral participation. Uh, Protest in itself is a form of participation. And I think just continuing to engage at the local level uh, is also participation. So the idea of being politically active, I think, is very multifaceted. Imran Bakas from the Oval Socioeconomic Research Institute chatting to us about uh, the importance of the local government elections and more importantly how effective our local governments are. Imran, shukran so much for chatting to us and hopefully we can get you back on the show um, as we keep our focus on the elections. Thanks so much for having me, Tosnim. Assalamu alaikum. Talking Point on VOC 91.3 FM Stereo.